0: Welcome to the Hashtag Hope Wall Podcast with your host, Destiny Davies, proudly brought to you by The Solitude Project, bringing you conversations behind closed doors where others share their
1: stories of love, hope, and inspiration, including the tools they have used to overcome adversities in this journey called life. To the world, you
0: may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world.
1: Hey guys, it's Destiny here and welcome to episode 3. Today we have the lovely Trish who will be sharing her journey around how she defied the odds not once but twice. So thank you very much for joining us on the hashtag Hopeful podcast Trish and feel free to take us on the journey.
0: Childhood. I had a very, very good childhood, loved my childhood. I was a very active person. I was a long distance runner and I ran. I was a country kid and I just ran all the time um, and had a very happy ha- childhood. Then I went into nursing. I always, from day dot, I was gonna be a nurse. That was it. That was all I wanted to do was a nurse. And I remember about five, I can remember it in my little country town called Elroir where I grew up. Um, one of my older brothers, um, asked me what I wanted to be, and I said I'm going to be a nurse, and that's all I wanted to be. Um, when then, when I left home, I went into nursing, and I was at Townsville General Hospital, uh, and I was only like 18, 19, something like that, and I was on the just happened to be in the on, working on the neurosurgical unit, and. Um, I was at the nurse's station and the phone rang and I picked up the phone and I answered on the phone but I couldn't hear anything in that ear oh. and I thought that was really weird, odd so I put it on the other ear and I just started talking away and it happened and then I finished that phone call and there was a doctor beside me and I said I can't hear anything in this ear. and. He goes, oh that's a bit weird. And he got out, you know, the fork that you can twang and you can hear the Yes. He said so. He got out his fork and he and he twanged it and he said, Can you feel that? Can you hear that? And I said, I can feel that there, but I can't hear it. And he said, oh, You better get that checked out. And I said, okay. And of course I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so years passed and I Became I was I got married, which is another story in itself, and we'll come back to that. Um, but I got married, and um,
1: could you still hear in there?
0: No, 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 I couldn't hear Any, in the ear. Okay. Anyway, I got married. I got married, um, and I, my husband at the time was talking, and and, and I could. I, he'd say, "Can you get your ear hearing checked?" Because you can't hear me talk. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but it wasn't until I felt pregnant that I was so ill. It's always in hindsight that you don't realise how ill you are until you become... I was so sick. Like, we're talking migraines, projectile vomiting. Like, I'd be sitting at the table and just... You know? Um, I'd be driving down the road and dizzy spells. It was dangerous, really dangerous. eventually it's like okay we've got to go and get this checked out yeah um so i went to a ear nose and throat specialist in townsville and he uh, and i was about three or four months pregnant at that time and so i went in there and said i've got this you know just gone sorry before that i went to um a hearing person that Oh, test. you said the testing. And he said, yep, you're, you're completely different that year. And he said, you might, you, look, one of the possibilities is you might have a brain tumour. I went, oh, what? How oh, did they
1: yeah. jump to that? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah.
0: well, and I just went, oh, okay. Like, that's the worst scenario. So I said, like, okay. He goes, you better go to an ear, nose and throat specialist. Okay. So I, off I went to, to that. And the um, ear, nose and throat specialist, he got a little cotton ball, And um, was can you feel this? Can you feel that? And can you? He said, "Can you smile?" And um, and I went, "Yeah, yeah." I smiled. And he said, "Okay, I can see a little bit of, in your smile already." He said, "I can see a little bit of um, palsy, if you like, already." So he said, "You might, you might have a brain tumor." And all I thought was that's just the worst scenario. I'm, I'm, glass is always half full. They're just telling me the worst scenario. And that always happens to somebody else. So he's just doing what he has to do. Tick that box on top told <laughs> Anyway, and he said, um, and I'm a nurse, and I know yeah. all of it, But, but he, what he said next, I was a mother instantly. Because I was three or four months, about three months, four months pregnant then. And he said, we can do an MRI today, but we don't know what damage that will do to your baby. Mm -hmm. So he may as well have said to me, if we do an MRI, we're gonna cut your child's head off. That's all, because I was just, I went into, never experienced before, because it was my first child. Well, you you instantly, you protect that child. So I said, well, I'm not gonna harm this baby, so we'll just wait till after it's born, after this baby's born. So he said, "Okay," and so that was it. So I went away for the rest of my pregnancy, absolutely so sick, so sick. Just I couldn't drive because, like, because this thing, this brain tumor, is just because it's protecting the baby, and this brain tumor is just thriving. So it got to the stage I couldn't drive because I'd have these dizzy spells. I'd have migraines. I would um, yeah, all the while I had a husband who had bipolar. <laughs> so that's my other little jam, gem, um, which I was like, I was like, oh, I do have some stories. Yeah, so he had bipolar, and um, so we were only married a very short time because we just it just wasn't going to to work that manner, that. But what I did get out of it was my beautiful son. Anyway, so whilst this is all going on and I'm pregnant, all I'm, I'm like, and my faith is, I do have a very strong faith. So I was, and I'm a Catholic. So I was at mass one day in Townsville, and it wasn't a regular church that I I went to. Um, I went to this church that my mother-in-law, who's also Catholic, goes to. Anyway, I was sitting in there like, God, what? what is going on i I, i've got this thing that they think's going on in my head which i don't know if it is or isn't at this stage um and i've got a husband with bipolar um and i've got this baby coming what the heck like what the heck is going on in in a more like drama filled <laughs> I'm saying it quite clear but it was all very drama filled in my in my head at that at that time. Anyway I was going down I can remember this as clear as day and as give me a bible and this is what happened. Um I was going to go to communion so I'm in the in the um
1: those little boots? No, no, no. You're going
0: down. You know how you go. You come out of your pews and then, oh, the, yes. and you go down to the go to the priest to yep. have communion. So I'm in the line, and I'm just like, oh, what? You know, like you know, how you, the 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 everything that's going on in your life. It's just building, building. Anyway, I I don't know the priest in this church. This is a church I don't know, so I don't know this priest. So I'm walking down following the next person going to receive Communion and the next person, and it was my time. So I just, I stopped and put my hand out as you do to receive Communion. And this priest stopped, looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, everything is going to be all right. It was the most bizarre. Like this priest has never seen me. He had no reason to stop. Doing what he was doing, he said it, and then gave me communion. And I sat down and I just sobbed uncontrollably. And then I just rang mum and dad because mum and dad knew something was wrong with me. They knew, like obviously, I went and they're always like, go get a check, take a check. And they knew. Anyway, I rang up and said everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Anyway. Um, obviously had still quite a journey to go, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I knew that everything was, was going to be alright. Then they put me on dexamethasone, um, so after Isaac, my son, was born, um, that's when they had to put me on um, dexamethasone. So I had my MRI, and yes you've got this whopping great thing thing in your head Um, and was an acoustic neuroma so an acoustic neuroma works on all the facial um, and hearing nerves so that's why I went in, um, went deaf and that's why I've also um, well they also had to stretch the nerve as well and that's also why I've got the palsy um where was I? lost um what they found when they. Did the oh, yes. So then my neurosurgeon, who I'd worked with <laughs> at the time, because I did surgery with him when I was in it, he said, Why did you not come to me earlier? I could have had that surgery done and you wouldn't have had the extent. And I said, And I told him the story about what the ear, nose, and throat specialist had told me. He said, We don't know what harm it'll do to the baby. do it. He said, Trish, we could have done this, we could have done that. And I said, Well, I, you would. Talk, we weren't talking to Trish, the nurse. You're talking to Trish, the mother. Mm. That was going, and he did not offer any follow up. Like, he didn't say, Okay, I, you know, well, we could do this. He didn't offer that. He just said, That okay. was the only option. On the and that, yeah, room. that was, that like was the was worst it. case. Of and the worst yeah, yeah, so so case, exactly, yeah. anyway. So then they put me on dexamethasone. So if any and it's like a steroid and it has to reduce the size of the mm. swelling of the brain tumour so they can operate. Um, and that sent me, because dexamethasone is steroid and it sends you loopy. It sent me loopy. Like you can't sleep. Your brain goes a thousand miles an hour. You've got to eat and drink all the time. So I don't know if you, you can get it like a moon shape like with these steroids, it just bloats you up. But they had to put me on it. Yeah. Um, and so it just sends you, like, honestly, um, it just sends you loopy. So I had to have that going all the way through. They told my parents, they said we, you know, if she, they gave her gave two, two weeks anyway, they said, look, it's this neurosurgeon, they said, why didn't you come to me earlier? He told my parents we would have given her two weeks and there was nothing we would have done it was just so big because it was pushing on the on the right down the spinal cord and all that sort of stuff anyway yeah so they're just yeah so anyway the operation was about 10 hours something like that 10 hours and i had this tiny little baby this as well so and i had also the my husband with bipolar in the mental health unit so it was just It was (laughs) (laughs) just—it was nothing. I couldn't handle. Anyway, but I remember in the um, the neurosurgical on the walls because you just got your unit, but on the walls I put hopeful, like spiritual type things, Mm. like you know whatever. And I remember in between because when you're on Dexamethasone, they can't once you have the operation and everything, they can't just pull you off the drug. It's a drug they have got to wean them off, and. So, I was still in this brain Twilight, of, so. <laughs> of, it took literally, but you'd have some um periods of time where you're um able to think straight,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's on those times I remember saying and I saw my things that I had in my Lord about God's with you or whatever something something to keep me i'm, I'm going to get through this you know and I remember in this time when I was able to. Get out of that fog that I'm in from this medication. I remember saying, God, just, just keep me alive so I can just cut me up. But He just said, just keep me alive so I can raise my child. And He did. He's done that. So from that, it was like I am forever. And I, sh- and I shouldn't say it's indebted, but I am, I suppose, that God has allowed me because He didn't have to. He had a plan for the Well, he had a plan. He did. He does have a plan. So he allowed me the privilege of raising my son. And it hasn't been a privilege for, he's, he's 24 now, to, to raise that. So, anyway, so that's all that part. But 20 years down the track, and obviously it's just a journey, and obviously, because I had to re- rehabilitate, because I, I couldn't remember anything really once I'd come out of surgery because of the, the dexamethasone and obviously the surgery. My mother had to, I, I was living at home um, with mum and dad. I moved back to mum's and dad's and I, I lived at home for three years or four years. Um, so, because I had to recover and I had to, I had my son and my, and my husband and I had divorced at that stage. As well, like, once he wasn't going anywhere, that relationship wasn't going anywhere. Anyway, um, so Mum had to retrain me. Like, I, to, I I had no idea how to set a table. And she was doing these things with this rehabilitation. I'm sure she wasn't thinking it was rehabilitation, but Mum was just doing it. <laughs> but what she was doing, in hindsight, was rehabilitating... Um, uh, rehabilitating me and teaching me how to do things and until some period of time and obviously I was able to get back and um, then I was able to go back to work and, sorry. Um, Yeah, um, and then life just happens and I'd I just go out and do what I was doing working and continuing with my faith journey sorry, sorry <laughs> um, and um, and then 20 years, literally pretty well, 20 years to the day, um, I was going just for a regular MRI check. Um, second year, never had any problems. And I went for an MRI at NorthLakes, um, one of the health services that I work at. They've got a breast clinic there had My MRI, and I remember asking the lady, you know, just you know, you just have your MRI. And in conversation, I just said, How many people do you pick up with breast cancer in these, you know, during MRIs? She said, Oh, probably about 10% of the people that we actually screen, screen we pick up 10%, about 10% of of um, cancers. And I was, Oh, well, that's interesting, okay. Again, not thinking anything of it. That's everybody else that that happens to. Anyway, a couple of days later, they said we've. Uh, I got a, a, a phone call from the cancer clinic or the, the the breast clinic. I beg your pardon, and said we can actually see um, a little bit of a thickness in in your right breast. Um, you'll need to come in and um, to. Um, our clinics, one of our clinics, and we'll get a doctor to have a yeah, Check for you. So that was at behind um, Prince Charles Hospital, there's a breast clinic in there. So I, all just beside it. So I went in there and um, I had an ultrasound and also I had a biopsy, which was a hideous, it was dreadful dreadful, the, the breast tissue is very tough and they've got to push this great big long needle and they just don't do it once, they do it about, she did it about five times and it's excruciating. Anyway, did that and um, and they did all the breast examination, everything they do. Anyway, so I, after that, they um, sat me in a room, they took me out and they sat me in a room and in comes a doctor and the nurse. And and I, 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 it's all just sort of, either just telling me I can go, whatever. Anyway, so the doctor sat down and she said, look, we've done the biopsies, we've done your ultrasound, and I can't confirm this because we do have to get your results, results. back. But she said, based on the fluid that we have um, taken. taken, based on other cancer that um, we've seen... That we've seen it's fairly consistent with with breast cancer okay right that's okay we'll deal with that so i I remember getting in the car and and driving off and and you're just in a bit of a fog because it's like are you serious god are you serious i have to do this again anyway so i pulled in and I, had, I know I had a little bit of it. It's the shock. It's a sudden shock. But it was a very different experience, and I'll explain that. It was a very different experience to my brain tumor. I'll talk about that. But I rang my husband and I said, look, this is what they've said. And he, of course, went into a bit of a meltdown, which he does. He's not good in a drama type <laughs> situation. Um, yeah, because I got married. I got married... Um, I only got married golly we just had our universe so uh 2016 but we've been together probably this, uh, eight years so something like that um anyway so i said it's okay we just need to go to the process but what they did say is that i need to be or when i get come back for the results i need to have everything organized my my breast surgeon um, everything's got to be organised. The, the, the doctor's appointment, so when I, it's all bang, 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 bang when they get the results. So I just went into organisational mode, which is what I do. And it just so happens, and life is funny how things work out, a colleague of mine had um, just had a, a breast cancer scare and had a private breast surgeon and had, and, and, I just contacted her and I said, "Who was your breast surgeon?" She gave me the details, da da da, and she said she's extremely good. She said the Wesley Hospital, da, da, da. right? Got my breast surgeon, got that organised, got the appointments organised. I or got my everything was all set up, da da da. Anyway, so then my husband came back uh, with me to get the results, and they said, "Yes, you've got um, breast cancer." So, right. What next? So, <laughs> so she said you've got to get that go now. You that's when you go to your your doctor, get your referral to your breast surgeon. who You've got organised, and then you get your surgery But Bang bang bang! Off we went and got all that done. Went to the breast surgeon, met her, fell in love with her. She's beautiful, <laughs> lovely, kind lady. Um, so we had the surgery, um, and that was in two thousand and seventeen, Juneish. 2017 um, and then so that was great and then off oh, we went and then she rang and she said Trish it's up in your um, um, lymph, lymph nodes so it's pretty bad pretty <laughs> so we now we were hoping we could get through it without chemo or radiation but you've got to go now because we don't know how Far systemic it's it, it is so Right. What do we do? Okay, so she put me onto a um, oncologist um, who I fell in love with. Her too, because she's a beautiful, kind lady. Um, they're all so kind. So um, yeah, so that's when I started my chemotherapy and um, lost all my hair. I used to come to gym with the bald and hair falling out. I was telling someone one day, and she said, "Oh, how are you going?" And I said, "Well." a few more chunks of hair that's falling out until I couldn't bear it anymore and um, we got that shaved off and all the rest of it so, um, but it's quite um, liberating once you get past that and you just wear your scarf and off you go Um, yeah and had the radiation um, and then yeah and just I just still now have regular checkups so I've got to get that followed up but yeah that's pretty well and 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 part of the joys of my life is coming to the gym and continuing um, my work, with, well, not work, but try. So your body changes, obviously. I'm not once the, the young person that I was, well, I've turned 50, but I was always a very fit, very healthy person. Um, but, but because you've got to go on medication post your treatment, it puts on a lot of weight and all that sort of stuff. So. And, he, and Chris, it puts you into menopause. So obviously with menopause comes all the weight issues and all that sort of stuff. So physically I'm not the same as I was prior, but mentally I'm still that person that <laughs> um, very dogged and wants to do the best. And, and it is hard when I see younger people who just pushing up weights like it's nothing. But. <laughs> but um, but that's okay I just suck it up and deal with it and just get on with my what I have to do so yeah so that's pretty well my story
1: I don't think there's much else to me I'm sure there's much more (laughs) firstly thank you so much for sharing I've got so many questions but I know we're on a time limit here but firstly I noticed that when you're talking you just say these things like it's just like a normal everyday thing which I think that in itself just shows how much you've obviously overcome and go. I, don't know. I just think, you're just like, okay, and what's next? And I think, especially, I suppose, going through the first time around with the brain. Oh, that's what like. I wanted to talk about. Oh, so that's why we Told you. Yeah, yes.
0: So that's why I said I'll come back to it. It was a different... set. It was a very different experience for me. Like, they're, they're quite significant life events.
1: Yes, they are. They
0: are. It's like, you're going to live or you're going to die here. One of the two. But what was different about the second time is my son had reached adulthood and was independent and able. So my job as a mother to to raise him and make sure he's safe on, in this world was was done.
1: you would been given the gift and I and to I asked you.
0: God just raise, let me raise my child. Just give him, you know. So for me, if 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 I was to die that you know no one wants to die but it was i'm i'm okay i i know this life there's a better life than than here and if that was what god was my journey was and god said you know we need to you need to pack your bags now you're coming home i'd be okay not that i want to leave everybody no. but i'd be okay so that's why it was very different when i always got my breast cancer i was a young person with this and I had responsibilities, I had this little baby that I had to... So that's why I was so... It was a very... A much more frightening experience, but not for me so much. It wasn't for me, it was for my child. I thought of. My child, and I had to protect that child. So that's why 20 years down the track, it was a, it was a very different scenario.
1: Hmm. Wow. Look, I don't have any words to <laughs> to... <laughs> and you know what guys Trish was telling me I don't have any stories to share with anyone <laughs> about love hope or inspiration I thought seriously Trish um Trish actually came to our first run she ran <laughs> from the other end because I didn't give correct instructions and we met up <laughs> halfway but she helped me push through that too and then she just casually said oh you know yeah I had um a brain tumor just like it was you know oh can you pass me the milk and I was like are you serious you just said it like that like what and my partner was looking at me like did you just see how she just took that in her stride and I don't know if you realized in that moment but I I saw you in a different light oh gosh here we go gonna start crying (laughs) (laughs) but I was just like you know I think it's that thing that we see a lot of people even inside our network you might see colleagues and I was literally saying to Trish as we were walking, like, people don't walk around with a sign to say, you know, I've, I've beat cancer, you know, I've beat um, brain, brain tumour. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's so many different things, but we don't publicly put that out there. So mm-hmm. it just goes to show, again, why it's really important to be kind to those that you come oh across because you have no well, idea what well, they're can going I just through. I
0: like, saying, as I've got older, because I've just... as I've I've just turned to the fifty club and become fifty. I, you, you, you realize in life that very, very few of us leave this life without one war wound or another. Um, And the older you get, the more war wounds you're likely to come across as you journey through your life. Um, And just reinforcing what you're just saying is, you don't know what one, what at what stage of their war wound that next person is going you don't know so you just treat everybody kindly and um, yeah and hopefully we all can get through this journey that we're on together together and as best
1: as possible with kindness and I think that's what it's all about I think so too Mm. I did think we were going to wrap up but I've actually got one question before we do and that question is What piece of advice would you give to your younger self who has just been diagnosed and about to go on that journey? You're going to be okay. When God is with you,
0: there is nothing you need to be frightened of. That's literally it.
1: Thank you very much for your time today, Trish. You're welcome. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. If you are going through something similar, I would encourage you to reach out, whether it's to family and friends or an organization like Lifeline, Headspace, or jump onto Google and type in free counseling in your area. You don't need to go through these things alone. If you would like some advice from the interviewee on today's show, please feel free to message us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at thesolitudeproject.2020. Thank you for listening
0: to the Hashtag Hope Wall podcast with your host, Destiny Davies. Check out our messages on Hashtag Hope Wall via thesolitudeproject.com.